Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Haj Assad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. If this is the first time you're listening to our podcast, thank you for trying something new. I will reiterate, Ben and I are really good friends, and we're also automotive journalists. So, you know, we have a bit of a, of a collegiate um, bromance going on, right, Ben? Wow. You wouldn't describe it that way? I mean, there's lots of ways to describe it, and that's one of them. Um, you can find Ben's work all over the internet. In fact, Ben, why don't you take a moment and tell the people where they can find your latest articles? Sure. I think by the time this uh, goes live, you can find uh, my latest in Car and Driver on Newsstands. You can also find my work at Motor Trend, at Driving Line, and at Inside Hook. And you can find my work also at Car and Driver, although mine is not in the newsstands. I didn't make the cut, Ben. I don't know oh. what happened. It's Such okay. sad newsstand trombone. No, it's it's because my mine is more uh, time time sensitive. That's what happened, of course. And you can find my work at Automotive News Canada, Autotrader.ca, Nouveau Magazine, and TechSpot. Ben, we've got a pretty pretty cool SUV to talk about this week. So let's just let's just dive into it before I forget how to talk properly. So we both drove the same truck. Is that what I'm? Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We drove the 2023. Kia Telluride. Tell we, you ride? Telluride? Telluride? Telluride. And we actually, but we didn't drive the exact same truck because we, you drove the real off-road version and I drove the fake version of that off-road version. Well, I will tell you that I didn't take mine off-roading if that was a concern to you, but I did have some little snow mountains to go around. Okay. And it managed okay. You're supposed to go through them, not around them. That's what off-roading is. Sure. If you're going um, around think- them, it's like if you drove around the mountain, you didn't ski down the mountain. I'm just saying. Yeah, that's fine. Both ways are experiencing the mountain, though. <laughs> okay. The 2023 Kia Telluride has received some um, mild refresh, I would say, but it sounds... Actually, I think they, the refresh was a little bit more significant than it was um, advertised. Really? The, I think people, you know, need to discuss... Every time we talk about the Telluride, we, we end up bringing the, the Hyundai equivalent of the Telluride, which is the... It's called the Palisade, yes. and it uses the same platform, the same um, powertrain. It looks fairly different, um, both inside and out, but most people really found the Palisade to look and feel a little bit more um, premium and high-end and luxurious compared to the Telluride when they first came out. And the Palisade, and now- it, it comes with a, a calligraphy trim, too, which is, I would say, a step above everything else on the Hyundai lineup, uh, and you don't get that with the Telluride, but... I, I think you're, where you're going is they've made some updates to the cabin of the Telluride that kind of narrow that gap. Not just narrow it. I think the – I actually end up thinking the Telluride now with these changes, which I don't, I, I don't even know how to quantify properly. But I drove this vehicle and I'm thinking to myself, I don't think there's a better three-row crossover on the market. So one of the interesting things to me about this refresh is the, the biggest change visually – is removing the identity of the vehicle from the front with those orange lights that it used to have, the orange running lights. Remember those? Okay, yeah, yeah. You used to be able to tell when a Telluride was behind you because it had these, like, big chunky lights. And now those are gone. It's kind of like a more of a LED kind of theme on the new grill. Okay, but How sure. do you feel about that? I didn't really notice that big of a difference, but it does have, like, a more refreshed, you know, front end and, re- and grill and headlights. Um, I think it looks more modern, slimmer, less... Less chunky, I guess, is the term. Yeah. Um, and I think it looks more, you know, it looks 
it looks better than a Palisade because I think the Palisade from certain angles can end up looking like a minivan. I think the Palisade is not as visually striking as it once was because I think as we, when we talked about it a few weeks ago after I'd driven it, um, it's, it's a lot of the rest of the business has caught up to it and it doesn't necessarily make the Palisade lesser than, but it does make it less of an outlier. And I think that driving the Telluride now, it's one of those vehicles that has caught up to the Palisade in a lot of ways. And I actually kind of feel like I used to like the Palisade a lot more than the Telluride, and now I think I like them the same. I don't know. I see that. I see design-wise, I see a lot of influence from like the Jeep Grand Cherokee. It is a very rugged-looking vehicle where the where the Palisade lacks that identity. Yeah, and but that's fine. I mean, you don't need two rugged-looking SUVs, right? I guess not. I mean, I, everyone. I mean, speak for yourself. Everyone's got <laughs> a rugged SUV these well, days. It, it would be better to, I think have its distinct personality than if Hyundai and Kia made two very similar looking versions of the same platform. So I, I, am okay. happy that they have these two different identities, but you and I both happen to drive like the ruggedest versions of the Telluride as well, which, which are new trims for this year too. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. And what do you but, mean? Well, yeah, well, they're not new trims for Kia because no. you could get X. I drove the X line, which is, the, it looks like it can go off-road, and you drove the X-Pro, which is the – it has off-road tires. <laughs> that's like, yeah, that's that the is ma- the major difference. The only real difference between these vehicles. But those vehicles were available – X-Lite was available on the uh, Kona, I think. Is that possible? No, not the Kona. What you're is the Kia ta- version? You're mixing up. Right? I always Belto? do this. I always do this. What I is, think X-Line was available on um, – The small on, crossover. Or on uh, Sportage or Sorento. I, I it was it was available on Sorrento on, on Sportage for sure. Um I'm trying to remember if it's based if it was available on the the compact though, which I can't whose name I can't remember. I thought it was called the Seltos. Oh yeah, you're right. No, no X line there. I don't think though that the Sportage got an X Pro. If memory no serves. Sportage got an X Pro. Okay. I'll take your word on it, and I don't really want to get I really don't want to get muddied up into the origins and okay, availability saying, of I'm the X-Lite X and, and, X, X and X-Pro. X-Lite and X-Pro, not new concepts, but new but for the But they're new to the Telluride. New to the Telluride. Yes. And so I will actually point out that uh, there is another odd mechanical difference between the two. Not mechanical, but as a result of the smaller tires on the X-Pro, which are all-terrain tires, it has a 5,500-pound 5, towing capacity compared to the mere 5,000 pounds that the X-Line can tow. The X-Line's on, it's on 20-inch all seasons. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I really hope nobody is pushing 5,500 pounds on these on, I, on I the also hope I also hope no one is buying the Telluride specifically to go off-road because <laughs> – this yeah, is it doesn't true. have it doesn't have an any increase in ride height compared to oh sorry sorry I I have to take that back you it better is, take it back the 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 real difference between so the X line and the X Pro the only difference really is those tires but the X line and the X Pro versus every other Telluride there's a zero point four inch additional ride height huge um, almost half an inch <laughs> and it has like kind of a rugged look on the outside. Like it, it, there's, you know, extra body cladding and that kind of thing. But I, I, you have to keep in mind, even with that extra 0.4 inches, it's still... I don't think there is extra body cladding. I think they just blackened out the, the like, parts of the grill and trim. That's entirely possible. But you, you have to keep in mind, even though it's a little bit taller, I think it's still, like, less than a... Uh, a Grand Cherokee or an Outback. Like, I don't yeah. think, I don't think you're really, I think it's like, 
8.3 inches total or something like that, which that's, is not... Yeah, that's not very good. No. So it's not... Not significant, I would say. Not not very good. That was mean. But I think not significant. Is not more something you would want to take on anything more than like a grassy field or like a two-track two cottage road. You're not going to want to climb bowlers with this car. There's not significant underbody protection. It doesn't have low range for its all-wheel drive system. Uh, it's It's more of a stance than anything else. For that reason alone, I feel like the X-Line is a better buy because yeah. you're going to be riding on more comfortable tires. And even though they're 20s, they're probably less expensive to replace than the 18-inch all-terrains. Yeah, and um, probably quieter too. Yeah, so that that would be my initial thoughts on if you were trying to decide between these two. The pricing difference is not great. It's only like... It's a a 50, thousand bucks. Yeah, so That's honestly, it. knock yourself out. And if it's not to your preference, you can just swap the wheels, right? Yeah, like it's a not a big deal. Easy. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed with the cabin of this vehicle. And that's funny because when I first drove the Telluride, I liked the cabin then. Now they've up, they've up, upgraded it with all of this, like mine had this tan interior. Um, I think you mentioned the stitching was like kind of orange or, or bright and, and these details really helped the Telluride stand out. We mentioned before that the Palisade really did a good job of having strong detail work or attention to detail. They had sort of like um, textures on the dials and knobs. And now the Telluride has that um, that next level area, that next level element of attention to detail. Yeah. And the interior really did feel next level, like absolutely um, on edge with um, maybe on par with some luxury vehicles. And it also gets upgraded screens, the same screens you see in the Palace. I think they're like 12.3 inches and there's two, yeah, of, two them. of them. Yeah. So one's in front of the driver and the other one is obviously the infotainment screen at the center of the vehicle. Uh, and it, it's, it's a welcome addition. They do a pretty good job of integrating them. Um, yeah, I just double checked that ride height. It's like, it has, so the X-Line and the X-Pro, they have less ground clearance than a Subaru Ascent, which does not you know, which is not off-road oriented whatsoever. It's zero. I mean, it's yeah, eight point no. four inches in total. That's wild. Um, powering the powering the Telluride though is the same three point eight liter V six that makes um, I think two hundred ninety one horsepower and two hundred sixty two pound feet of torque, along with an eight speed automatic transmission. Um, I think the eight speed has gotten maybe a little bit better tuned this year. I don't think anything changed in terms of gearing or anything like so that. That's where I have to disagree because I found that the eight speed almost felt like a CVT at low speeds. It, it was kind of soggy and okay. I felt like revs would climb and I wasn't necessarily going anywhere when I was pulling off the line. And it's strange because it's the same drivetrain as the Palisade and I did not have that issue. So I don't know if there was like a, a specific problem with my test vehicle that made it feel that way. I mean, power was fine. It was just around town at low speeds. It did not feel snappy. I'm not in love with this powertrain, I will say. I just do think that the – I used to feel like it was slushy, as you as you mentioned, kind of. Um, really non, really anonymous drivetrain in, in a bad way. I think now you're saying that it's it, it's um, it's a little CVT ish, yeah, and I'm saying that is. I think that the I found it to change gears a little bit quicker at speed. Um, and my biggest complaint in the past with this powertrain is that given how good the whole vehicle is, I always said that it could do with a really a, a powertrain that matches the quality of the rest of the vehicle. And I always felt like that's where this car was kind of let down. It would be wild if, I, and I don't think this will happen, but if Hyundai pulled the the twin turbo V6 from, from the Genesis line of SUVs and made it available in the Telluride and the Palisade. That would be crazy. I, yeah. I don't think it's necessary because 
That's I, a bit over the top. I th- you know, if you're going to make like a high performance version of either of these vehicles, again, completely unnecessary. Um, almost as unnecessary as these off-road kind of wannabe trim mm-hmm. levels. But it would be a statement, that's for sure, because there aren't a lot of other vehicles in the three-row segment that go all out like that. I mean, there's the Explorer ST, and I think that's kind of it. But the Explorer ST feels pretty pretty strong off the line yeah i mean it's an absurd vehicle though right like it's like a three row with like 400 horsepower twin turbo v6 but like every other element of that car like fails to test for me especially in comparison to the telluride i'm not saying i'm not saying i i'm I'm saying there's no need for this vehicle to exist but (laughs) it is the only real competitor with that kind of grunt um other otherwise you know i'm driving this vehicle and um you know a couple of people who, you know, I visited some people, I'm, I, I was doing some um, shopping, some people were really interested in getting a closer look at the at the vehicle. They've heard some good things about it. I think they, mine was also done up in this kind of like forest or forest green, I suppose, or light green, so which was, was really stri- striking. Um, and I think it really catches people's eyes more so than any anonymous like Volkswagen Atlas or or Toyota, what's it called? Toyota Highlander. There's just something. There's like a magic here with the with that Kia and Hyundai have found here. Kia specifically have found here where they got people talking about their cars. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is definitely not a cookie cutter vehicle, uh, and it is more visually distinct than the Hyundai version. And if that's important to you, and it's important to me to drive something that I mean I find visually interesting, they, these are very popular where I live. I see way more Tellurides than I do Palisades. Uh, it's clearly a working formula for Kia. Now, my uh, my other complaint that I have with this is that the fuel economy was not um, not awesome. I will say that. Um, I'm thinking it gets about um, my model. I think I got twenty twenty two miles per gallon or something like that while I was rolling around. Yeah, that's um, not great. It's not good. That's like SUV, like body on frame. Like near Escalade v, levels of fuel yeah, consumption. Yeah, V8 <laughs> SUV kind of consumption. I didn't love that. It's, um, that's a concern. Did you get decent fuel economy? You had the better wheels. I did not get it. Well, I mean, they're still 20 inches, but I did not have a chance to drive it extensively. I did not have it as long as I wanted to. So I didn't get really a good fuel economy test on it. You are slacking. Come on now. How am I slacking? I don't know. I'm doing. You're, my, you're the one who has all the photos of this car. So to be honest, Sammy, just like everyone else in this world, I'm doing the best I can. Yeah, and it's uh, it's pretty decent, I guess. Now that you now that you mention it, wow, pretty decent. What do you want to talk about with this with this thing? Some of the features. Well, I, that I don't want to me... talk about my validation because apparently that's not on the menu. <laughs> Welcome to my childhood. Um, uh, some of the things I do want to mention are some of the features in this car. Did you know that it had vented seats in the second row? I did know that. Fantastic. That's amazing. It is. Um, it had vented seats in the front row as well, so it's not just that you have to go in the second row to cool down or anything like that. Now, do you have to sacrifice a bench for that? Is it like captain's chairs only? I think so. I think so, yeah. yeah I think you're okay, on to something there. Is it? I don't have a problem with that. Do you, do you prefer the bench or the two captain's chairs? Honestly, I don't have children. So I know. So I'm most, of the people, most of the people I'm hauling around are adults. If you have the captain's chairs, it's easier to get to the third row if you just go through the middle. Right. Right. So, I mean, that would be my answer. Uh, but then again, since I'm hauling adults, no one's going to the third row. It's kind of a <laughs> it's kind of a catch-22, I guess. Does the bench have um, a folding? Like, how, do the, how does the second row bench fold? I believe it's powered. 
one? What do you mean one? Is it <laughs> one? It's not, it's not split? <laughs> no, 50-50. It's 50-50. Yeah, probably. Um, it's not very wide, so 50-50 makes sense. Okay, great. And I always th- think that's maybe easier to uh, fold than the captain's chairs. We need, to, we need to fold all the seats down. I guess so. That's my take. Oh, wait, are you talking about the third row bench or the second, oh, the row, second, bench? The second row? I have no idea. I didn't have it, so. <laughs> I want to talk about the bench. You want to talk about um, the bench that doesn't exist? Third row. There is a third row in this vehicle. It's okay. It's not great, but it's okay. Sure. What did you think? I'm, I'm not going back there. You're not- <laughs> I'm afraid that if I go back there, I'm not getting out. That's my fear. Despite wanting to get out. Yeah. I mean, well, I'm not, I'm not moving there permanently. Well, that I seven you had a couple of we- uh, a week ago or whatever sounded like you're going to live in the back seat forever. It is. There is one thing, other thing I want to talk about with the uh, Telluride, and that's the trim names because they got complicated this year. Um, it used to be what are you like, talking about. Well, you used to be able to just get like EX, SX, and like I guess Prestige and whatever. And now it's like EX X line, SX X line, SX Prestige X line, like. They've really kind of just added things together. So I do like the idea of uh, SXX Pro or <laughs> FXX Live. Yeah. Which sounds, which sounds like a movie. It's I a suppose. triple, you can get a triple X almost yeah. line adults only version of the Telluride. Well, I think automakers love redundancies and names now. Remember we talked about the Honda Pilot, uh, no, the, the Passport Trailsport? People Passport Trailsport Passport. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we did talk about that. Um, and I think people... Only for export, though. <laughs> I think um, I think automakers are all about trying to repeat themselves in their, in their names now. Uh, what else do I want to tell you about this car that hasn't been said? Um... That's it, guy. What else? Come on. Well, I think it's. I think it's Help good. Me with this. I think it's good that Kia has not gone after Hyundai's calligraphy business, um, and haven't tried to make like a super luxury Telluride. I Wait, think that, doesn't it have a? Doesn't it have the typeface on the on the grill, the Range Rover esque like Telluride across the grill? No, that's gone now. That's uh, gone. It used to be along. Remember, it used to be along the leading edge of the hood. Yes. Yeah, that's gone for the refresh. Wow. Good yeah, for it's that. smoothed out. Uh, so because growing, that was tacky, I think. Grow, well, I don't know. Growing up a little bit, I guess. It's um, on the back now. I think that this is a good buy. I think that this is. I mean, price wise, I think you, it's. I think this is the problem with the vehicle. If you price-wise. want the X line, it starts at forty seven grand and it goes up to fifty three thousand. If that's for the EX to, versus the SX Prestige, mm-hmm. so like the mid tier X line is fifty grand. I think the base. Telluride is like what thirty five or thirty three or something. Do you think they're selling those? Like people are actually getting into these. I'm always so curious if they're actually on lots. I don't know. Um, I would not pay more for X line stuff. I don't think it's necessary. No, I agree. Just stick with the SX. It's if you're gonna get a fancier Telluride, the SX is pretty pretty damn good. But there is the SX Prestige, which sure. had some some doodads. It's three grand more. I mean. The spread for the X line is six thousand dollars from from across all three trims, so that's not huge. Uh, it, it, it's about you know twelve percent of the total purchase price to upgrade to the top tier model. That's doable for a lot of people, but really take a look at the features and decide if you need them before you make okay. That so I think I think importantly the SX Prestige has um, vent, those vented second row seats and a heated front steering wheel. As well as this, uh, I think, the Napa leather seats. But Sammy, if you're never sitting in the second row seat, why do you care if it's ventilated or not? Agreed. And I don't know how much of a difference Napa Napa leather makes over 
the regular leather. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm personally been converted to wool now, so I'm all, I know. I'm all wool all the time. I'm going to move to New Zealand and buy some sheep and just totally invest in this wool lifestyle. That sounds fair. Okay, cool. Um, I will admit, though, that the additional – those uh, that jungle green is the name of the green that I had. It is only available on some vehicles, any X-Line or X-Pro trimmed vehicle. Okay. Well, still, and Wolf Gray is the other one. It looks good, but it's not enough of a reason to spend all that money. <laughs> <laughs> and same with those um, those leather seats. They're they're gorgeous, but um, yeah, you have to get them in specific trim levels. And you know, do you really want Napa leather if your kids are just going to be going hog wild in that second row? <laughs> you keep telling me this. I'm terrified of of the idea of children going hog wild. Anyway, I mean, they've got crayons. They've got sharp things that I don't know where they got them. Sharp things. <laughs> what do you mean? But yeah, they do always have sharp things on themselves. Yeah, I, I mean, don't know. They're are, dangerous. I mean, to themselves mostly, but to other people eventually. Here's a fun game for a child: sticking a pen repeatedly into a napa leather seat <laughs> quietly, so the adults up front don't know what's happening. Okay. Before we close up this week's episode, I want to talk about some news that has been um, burning all around the internet. Okay, it has just been flying from one corner to the next. It is the fact that GM is taking away um, Apple CarPlay from their their next generation of vehicles. Well, their next generation of EVs, specifically. Next generation of EVs. So GM says that, you know, starting with the Blazer, Blazer EV next year, the 2024 model, you will not be able to get Apple CarPlay anymore. This is a crazy move for a lot of reasons. I feel like 80% of cars on the market currently have both Apple CarPlay and Android Auto installed. Like that's, and, and it's, in many cars now, it's a standard feature. And if you look at people who are Apple fans, that's an important feature to them. Like I think it's something like 30 to 50%. Um, it's it's of some type of importance when they're making a buying decision, Right. Yeah, totally. So um, I also have to add, my understanding is that it's not just Apple CarPlay, it's Android Auto as well, but the infotainment system will be replaced by a Google, you know, whatever it's called, Android Automotive OS instead. Okay, so um, I, I was not aware that it was both. I thought it was just the, the Apple CarPlay. Okay. Because I know that they're going to... the, the A big part of why this is happening is because... Google wants to, sorry, GM has made a deal with Google and that deal is going to put Google apps front and center in the vehicle directly on the dashboard, stuff like Google Maps and and whatever. And it's also going to allow General Motors to have more access to data about what the drivers are doing in their cars. And of course, it gives that information to Google as well. GM is not the only company that's made this type of deal. Ford has also made a similar deal with uh, Google to implement more Android Auto across their lineup. They haven't taken the step of getting rid of Android Auto and CarPlay play yet um they're just going to the automotive os at this point but okay it's it's really this really feels like gm is shooting itself in the foot sammy yeah i agree it's um it's worrying significant worry it's this is not just like say you know blu-ray versus hd dvd or betamax and vhs or whatever like this is uh this is a big issue i think and i think people are going to really lose confidence in the automakers for making the right decision for them as to how to operate their vehicles and it's not like android automotive os is like perfect or anything in no. fact we've had even as somebody with problems with it and not just android automotive os even android auto um i hear fewer people having issues with apple carplay than than i think 
you know, you and I have with Android Auto, which can also be buggy or strange. Remember when they changed the interface, like, um, last year, and we had no idea how anything works, and we had those widgets that couldn't go away? Yeah, it's, I mean, but at least we have a choice, right? And this is removing that choice. So you're going to end up, we, we've, we've gone from a situation where uh, automakers own the dashboard to one where we had a choice whether we could use our mobile phone or not, to going back to automakers kind of owning the dashboard, but now that's in partnership with a, an outside IT provider that is going to be essentially partnering in that ownership. I, I wrote a feature about this back in the fall for Car Driver, just talking about who owns the digital dashboard in the future. And a lot of the engineers and designers I spoke to at various car companies were talking about how these partnerships were something that were going to be a major part of their strategies moving forward. In fact, Ford wouldn't talk to me about the article because they were on the cusp of making the announcement about their partnership with Google and everything hadn't been, you know, they hadn't dotted all the lowercase J's and crossed all the T's. So they they weren't able to talk about it yet. Okay. So some of this stuff is still very new for these car companies and we're going to see mistakes like this. I love hearing about these deals because they always seem to come together like spontaneously or randomly and no one, no one everyone seems surprised when they actually do happen. I think a lot of people put the details in place and they're there for a long time while every everybody in the world gets their their take on it and their input on it. And then when they finally come through, it feels sometimes that they're dated. Another one that I've talked about in the past is like it's a completely different element, but like free charging like um, agreements. So Electrify America has free charging agreements with a bunch of different automakers, um, and they they differ from one to another. But like those agreements were not like they're not consistent across the whole. Um, automotive landscape so it's always so funny to hear someone being like oh we've done it we've caught up to everybody else and you're like okay you're behind the you're behind the curve on yeah that. these goalposts just keep moving yeah um, so one last thing before we wrap up this podcast for this week we had uh, a listener right right into us Raiko I hope I'm saying that properly wanted to let us know that he ended up picking up um, an Audi S3 uh, he had yeah. asked he had written to uh, they, they, they written in to talk to us about um, their uh plans to purchase something fun to drive and we had talked about whether the s3 was a good option and they've owned the car for a few months now absolutely love it fun to, fun to drive good dynamics love the looks and uh, great in the mountains and it's going to be on the track soon that's awesome where i'm really psyched to hear that and thanks for yeah. letting us know about your purchase it's always good when someone buys a car and ends up liking that car because it's not always a guarantee you don't know like you get a few months down the road and you start to question things but that does not seem to be the case here so thank you for writing in letting us know honestly the s3 is a it's a dream car and one of those cars that can do it all um and i'm eager to hear how how it works uh, how he feels with it on the track and gets to explore its limits a little bit better. All right. And uh, Sammy, speaking of limits, if other people want to test our limits by asking us a question about uh, anything that we've talked about on this podcast or anything at all involving cars, or if they want to comment on what they've heard, how can they do that? They can just head on over to our website, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. There's a contact form there that you just fill out. And when you're finished that, it lands in our inbox. Once you hit submit, boom, it works. It's It's been working really reliably over the past, um, how long have we been doing this? Four, five years, six years? Hashtag technology. Um, additionally, you can reach out to us on social media. You can find Ben on Instagram. He's at 
Hunting Benjamin, or you can find myself on Twitter. I'm at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. And if you go, yeah, I was going to say, Sammy, if you want to get off the social media and just stay with your podcatcher, you can find us on pretty much any podcast service, Unnamed Automotive Podcast. If you do want to go to the website, you can find links to your podcatchers there. But what we would really appreciate is, you know, just leaving a a review or a comment of some kind on your podcast service, because that helps us get in front of more listeners. And if you really like our stuff, you can leave us a tip and help keep the lights on whenever there's uh well, not when there's a, an ice storm. That, yeah, that no amount of cash could buy my way out of that blackness. No, but if you go to Ko-Fi, uh, it's ko-fi.com slash unnamed automotive podcast. All right. And Sammy, what are we going to be talking about next week? Next week, I've got a pair of hybrid crossovers to talk to you about. Not plug-in hybrids, the old school traditional style. And in, in that, that lineup includes... The new Honda CRV. Ooh. So I'm eager to talk to you about that. All right. So uh, thank you for listening, everybody. See ya.